Thank you so much, Joe, and uh, good to be with you again. Share a fellowship together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our second reading is from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> reading from verse 1. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs, from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten, and a teal tree, and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Amen. May God add a blessing to the reading from his own precious truth. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we bless you for the gift of this new day, the Lord's Day, and Lord, the opportunity to assemble together as your people and to bring you our worship and our praise and our adoration. You are God, and there is none like you, Lord. You are the living and the true God, the maker of all things, and in you we live and move and have our being. And we bless you this morning that you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, Redeemer, who loved us and went to a cross to die for us, for our sins, that we might become the people of God. We worship you, Lord, for your great salvation. Thank you for your mercy upon us, coming to our hearts, coming to our lives, and making us new creatures in Christ. Lord, remember us for good as we 
continue on the service. Help us as we turn to your word. Grant the help of your spirit. Lord, speak to each of our hearts, to my heart. And Lord, just again, we remember Pastor Steve, wife and family at this time of holiday. Grant them, Lord, to know you're at hand upon them, refreshment, and Lord, do encourage them and bring them back safely to the flock here, we pray. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this little uh, message this morning, The Making and the Marks of a Man of God. Um, the year is 740 BC. And uh, here in this chapter 6 of the prophecy, we have the account of the vision the prophet Isaiah had of the Lord. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And it was a vision that indeed revolutionized his life and ministry for God. Uh, one commentator says of Isaiah, he is the greatest of, of the Hebrew prophets and orators for splendor of diction, brilliance of imagery, versatility and beauty of style. He is unequaled. Correctly, he has been called the prince of Old Testament prophets. It's a beautiful prophecy. It's a beautiful book. And it warms your heart, no matter how many times you read it. Here's the great evangelist of the Old Testament, Isaiah. How was this man such an outstanding prophet and raised up in the kingdom for such a time as this? How did it happen? Well, the answer is here in the first verse of our chapter. He saw the Lord. Isaiah had a, a glimpse of the Lord of glory. And, dear friends, I would suggest to you that one great failure we as the people of God have in the, the, this day and age in which we live is that we have such a faint picture of the wonder and the awesomeness of the God of glory. Am I not right? How big is your God? How big do you see, do you see him? And how often when you get a glimpse of him does it warm your heart? And, yes, faith would well up within you when you see one sitting upon the throne. Your God, he's a big God. But I think this is one of the great failures. We've got such a small God, we bring him down to our size, like one of us. And yet he is the eternal one, the omnipotent one. We don't read the scriptures as often as we should. We don't spend the time in prayer as often as we should. We don't worship and praise the Lord as often as we should. Am I right? I say that from my heart. I believe our hearts should constantly cry out with the words of those Greeks in John chapter 12 that Joe read, Sir, we would see Jesus. Oh, in these momentous days in which we live, we might have a fresh glimpse of the Lord. I believe three things could possibly be on the mind of the prophet at this particular time, the prophet Isaiah, just prior to the vision he had of the Lord. Uh, three things. Firstly, an earthquake had rocked the land, uh, causing great fear and terrible destruction. 
we find two references to this in Amos chapter 1 and verse 1 and Zechariah 14 and verse 5. Here's Zechariah's uh, verse. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach, reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Now, we might not have had such a devastating earthquake in our land that has rocked the whole scene, but we have had different things that indeed have rocked this land. Uh, for instance, the political scandals. We can hardly take it in sometimes what happens to these politicians who are elected to serve us and to give their hearts and lives in service to the people of God. Financial collapse still happening. And it's not the end. Spiritual and moral declension. And yes, some of the most horrific murders and robberies. I've just cut out one. Um, I thought I'd just mention this and just in passing. Um, the heading here, this is last week. It says here, murder hunt as beaten widow, 93, loses her fight for life. A great-grandmother who suffered a fractured skull after being viciously attacked in her bed has died, police said yesterday. Detectives have now launched a murder inquiry after 93-year-old Emma Winnall lost her fight for life due to complications arising from her injuries. An old soul asleep in her bed, and they broke in and, and battered her head. But this is only one of many that has happened in our land. And sadly, we get used to these things, do we not? Then secondly, Uzziah, king of Judah, was stricken with leprosy. Uzziah was a good king, and he reigned for 52 years. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. However, in his exalted position, pride ate into his heart. And this was, this was uh, the result of his downfall, because he took on the function of a priest in the temple. Second Chronicles 26, 16, but when he was strong, we shouldn't seek to be too strong, should we, as God's people. It's those who are weak in the eyes of the Lord that he seeks to exalt and to glorify. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for the transgression against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense in the altar of incense. When Azariah, the priest, sought to confront him and to warn him against what he was doing, Uzziah was furious and he burned with anger. And just at that moment, as he confronted the priest of the Lord, the Bible says that leprosy broke out on his forehead. And he was a leper and isolated until the day of his death. He took on a role or a function he should have had no part in. Pride ate into his heart, and now leprosy ate on his flesh. Dear friends, haven't we individuals occupying many of our pulpits today who know nothing of the saving grace of God? Who know nothing of personal salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we not? I've met a number of these people. 
and they can be all dressed up and with all the regalia on and so on. And yet, dear friends, without life in their souls, who are they? Yes, we have people who occupy pulpits and who disregard the Holy Scriptures, who deny the deity of Christ and despise the cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and indeed the new birth. They cast these things off as nothing. It's a few years ago, doing door-to-door visitation, I met with this particular lady, and uh, she was quite friendly, and I fell back upon her uh, quite a number of times till eventually she invited me in. And I was with honor quite a number of times, just being friendly to her, to her and yes, uh, eventually just sharing the gospel and her need of a savior, her need of getting right with God. And uh, showed her, uh, for instance, John 3, verse 3, about, about being born again. You must be born again. She said to me this particular afternoon, she said, I'll speak to my, my minister about this. I'll ask him. She did. I didn't get back to honor for, well, it was a, a few months. She invited me in, friendly as usual. But then she told me, I asked my minister what you were telling me that particular day you were with me. And do you know what he said to me? I said, honor, what? My ears were like an elephant's. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, he said, honor, you, you don't need this new birth. But honor, you're a good person. And you come as often as you can to church. And you give in honor. And you help your neighbors and so on. Honor, you don't need this new birth. And my heart sank. She was never the same again to me from that, that particular day. But dear friends, there are many people like this. And they're hearing everything and anything in these churches. And in a sense, that is damning their souls. Then, also, the land was corrupt with moral and spiritual rottenness. Read through chapter 1 of Isaiah. You find it all there. The people had rebelled against their God. It was a sinful nation, laden with iniquity, evildoers, having corrupt children. That's verse 4. Look what verse 3 says of the chapter. It says, The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people do not consider. Isn't that strange? <laughs> The very animals knew what was right. There was a sense about the old animals who knew their place, knew what to do and so on. But as for the, the people of Israel, they hadn't a care regarding God or the things of God. And yet, with all that, here we have the picture in chapter 1 of Isaiah of a wonderful God. A God who says, come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is our God. He's a merciful God. He's full of compassion. And yes, he's ever ready to forgive. I don't need to go into all the details of the moral and spiritual condition of our land today, do I? 
But quite often as God's people, we cry out, Oh Lord, surely it's time for you to work, for they've made void your laws. They cast them off as nothing to be considered. And Lord, we need you. Will you not revive us again, that your people might rejoice in you? Isn't that our cry? Should be our cry. When we see the corruption and the rottenness of our, our land, Friends, the majority of people living in this land have got no time for God. I used to meet um, Muslims quite, quite often in my ministry and so on, and I always found them very friendly, friendly to me, and, and quite keen to talk about the things of God. And uh, quite often, uh, a number of them would say to me, you know, when we come over here, we thought this was a Christian land. But well, whenever we, s- we saw what was going on and the things that, that happened and so on, uh, this is land isn't a, a Christian land. And I said, you're quite correct. It's a heathen land. We don't acknowledge God. And the amazing thing is that more than often, God is pleased to use the likes of you and me. <laughs> We're sinners saved by grace, and yet amazingly, the Lord is pleased to use the likes of you and me. What to do? Firstly, to bless a contact. We're rubbing the sh- with sh- the shoulders of people day by day, unconverted people. And we as the people of God, we can be taken in the hand of God and used to bless a contact, to bring a change. And yes, to begin to see others worship the Lord in, in spirit and in truth. That's the amazing thing. Sinners saved by grace. And yet God is pleased to take the likes of you, up, you and me up and to use us for his glory. Even the very thought of that just humbles my heart. Psalm 110, verse 3, Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. God removes the king of Judah and then calls, changes, and commissions Isaiah to go forth and to preach a message of repentance and restoration. And just very briefly, in closing, could we look at some of these uh, marks of a man of God, the making and, and marks of a man of God. Firstly, notice his opened eyes. Verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Israel, Israel's king had gone the way of all flesh, but Israel's God lives on. Israel's God is on the throne. What did Isaiah see in this amazing vision? Firstly, he saw the sovereign reigning. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, who exactly was it that Isaiah the prophet saw sitting on that throne? Well, if you had been listening, as Joe read John chapter 12, you'd have seen clearly that it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. John 12, 41, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah had a glimpse of Jehovah Jesus sitting on a throne. His throne was elevated, high and lifted up, Jesus is king. Oh, but dear friends, he's more than king. He is king of kings 
and he is Lord of Lords. He is the omnipotent one. He's the all-powerful one. He's the one who spoke in the beginning and brought everything into existence from nothing. And he holds everything in, in, in his hand, as it were, by his own power. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. And then, secondly, notice, his robe was extended. It says, the train of his robe filled the temple, not merely to cover his throne. He's sitting on the throne, and the robe not merely covers the throne, but it fills the whole temple. He is not only the omnipotent one, but he is the omnipresent one. He's everywhere. His presence fills the whole earth. We cannot run from this God because no matter where we would run, he's there. He's omnipresent. His presence fills everywhere. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Not only did Isaiah see the sovereign reigning, but also notice he saw the seraphim praising. Verses 2 and 3 of the chapter above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. These holy angels or attendants are meeting around the throne ministering to the Lord. They are, they are called seraphim. And the word means burning ones. They have a burning love for God and they have a burning zeal in the service for God. Two wings cover their faces and two wings cover their feet, showing their reverence and humility in the very presence of the holiness of God. And their song of praise is with fervency and with enthusiasm. <laughs> They're worshipping this holy, exalted God, yes, with great enthusiasm. Are we enthusiastic for the Lord? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, these are the angels surrounding the throne, seraphim. And they know nothing of the saving grace of God, of a Savior who loved them and went to Calvary to die for them. They, they know nothing about it. And yet, they praise and they worship this God. What about us who profess to know and love the Lord? What about, what about us who say that we have seen the Lord? Is our love burning love for the Lord? Do we love the Lord with all our hearts, our souls, our strength, our mind? Is our zeal burning zeal in service for the Lord? We're saved to serve. We often hear that. Do we serve the Lord? Yeah, with zeal, with great earnestness. This is our business here below as the people of God. Are we reverent and humble before the holiness of God? Are we a humble people 
God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Do we worship and praise the Lord with fervency and enthusiasm? Isaiah saw the Lord and he's high and lifted up and his train fills the temple and there's the seraphim and they're around this throne and they're praising the Lord. They're worshipping the Lord. Could I ask you this morning, have, have, you, have you seen the Lord? Have you had a glimpse of the Lord? Do you know what it is to have this personal salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you right with God? In right standing with God? Not asking about how many, how many good things you would do, how kind you are to your neighbor, how often you come to church. Do you take the elements on a Sunday, the bread and the wine? Have you gone through the uh, waters of baptism? Uh, are you filled with good? I'm not asking you. Are you right with God? Has there come a time when you've repented of your sins and you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and will remain flesh until the Spirit of God comes to that heart with his regenerating power. And that's the new birth. When Jesus comes alive in the heart through the Holy Spirit, sin has pulled down the blinds upon our hearts. Just this morning when I got up, my wife was busy, and she pulled down the curtains onto the floor from our living room. <laughs> I'll, I'll just digress a wee bit to tell you that. That's what sin has done. It has pulled down the curtains upon our hearts, and yes, sin has raised up the... the, the the, the barriers upon our hearts, we can't see. We're born spiritually blind until the new birth happens in your heart and my heart. We cannot see the Lord sitting upon a throne until we see the Lord hanging upon a tree, a cross. And he's dying there as a sin sacrifice. He's dying there as our substitute, as our great sin bearer. Christ died for our sins. How can we get to heaven? It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You shall call his name Jesus, said the angel, for he shall save his people from their sins who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He came from heaven to be a savior, to die upon a cross. He must die upon a cross in order to save. He must shed his precious blood in order to redeem. But only Jesus can save, and yes, that to the uttermost. Are you saved today? Have you seen the Lord? Have your eyes been opened? If not, flee to the arms of love. Embrace the Savior as your Savior, the one who loved you and gave himself for, for, for you to the cross. 
receive him into your heart by faith. Receive him as your sin bearer, as your salvation. And when that happens, dear friends, wonderful peace and joy floods the heart. And as the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful blessing. No condemnation, no judgment to those who are found in Christ. And when we come to trust the Lord, we can truly sing with the hymn writer, I've been to Calvary. I can say I've seen the Lord. I've been to Calvary through the witness of his word. I've been to Calvary. Oh, what a thrill of love divine. Just to think, just to feel, just to know that the Savior is mine. Secondly, not only did Isaiah have his eyes opened, but notice second, his broken spirit. His broken spirit, verse 5. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, or cut off, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In verse 4 it says, the doorposts shook at the voice of the seraphim. But at this vision of the holiness of God, the prophet himself begins to tremble and shake. He says, woe's me. He saw himself and his people as sinful, unclean in the sight of God, and he has broken and humbled before the Lord. King Uzziah, his heart was lifted up. The prophet Isaiah's heart was brought low. And this should always happen with the people of God. When we're in close contact with God and we're having sweet fellowship with him, we're always down there. We're always low at his feet. Remember the story in Luke chapter 5 when the disciples had been out all night fishing and they caught nothing. And Jesus says to Peter, uh, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And there's a great debate going on in Peter's heart and so on. He's a, he's a fisherman. He's an experienced fisherman. There's nothing out there and so on. He's proved it. But at the word of the Lord Jesus, he obeys and goes forth and they launch their nets. And the catch is so great that the nets begin to break. Here's the response from Peter in verse 8 of Luke 5. It says, He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter's heart was exposed to the uniqueness and the awesomeness of the person of Christ. When the Apostle John had the vision of the Lord in Revelation 1, it says in verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I fell as a dead man at the vision of the Lord. Harry Ironside, the American preacher of a bygone age, he said one time, the very first requisite for spirituality is humility. Someone else said, when God intends to fill a soul, he first makes it empty. When he intends to enrich a soul, he first makes it poor. When he intends to exalt a soul, he first makes it sensible of its own miseries. Wants, 
and nothingness. Have you come to that place? Have I? To be as nothing in the sight of the holiness of God. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. He despises the proud. Ah, but he embraces and he warms to a humble heart. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Isn't that our prayer time and time again? Search me, O God. Not him, not her. Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me, Lord, in the way ever of everlasting. His eyes were opened. His spirit was broken. But thirdly notice, his lips were cleansed. Verses 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, and touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Isaiah confessed his sin, and immediately his heart is cleansed. Here's what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15 and verse 18. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Dear friends, the heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart. Do you know you can hardly walk down the street these days, hop onto a bus or a train, listen to radio or watch television, but dear friends, you hear the filthy language of people and the curses and indeed the blasphemes that come out of their mouths and taking our Savior's name in vain. Am I right? We live in the midst today of a people of unclean lips, and this seems to be increasing. It's getting almost to be the accepted thing now that you can curse just willy-nilly. Even young people just curse. Why? Because the adults all do it. And these people on television, the pop stars, these swinging guitar people, they're, they're all doing it. And why can't I? And we live in a sinful society. And dear friends, we need God. We need God to come and to do a great work. Jesus said, every idle word that is false, hurtful, blasphemous word, men may speak. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. Everybody one day will stand before God's judgment throne, everybody, and give an account, even of their unclean lips, which speak of an unclean heart. Everyone will give an account. How oh, but dear friends, the blessing it is of a heart made clean by precious blood. What a blessing. The night that I fell before the Lord in my own home and trusted the Lord and so on, I felt clean when I got to I felt clean when I got to my feet. 
I trusted the Lord Jesus. Way back one night, it was a Thursday night, we were involved in open air outreach at Leicester Square and had contact with quite a number of people that night, but especially this dear woman, a visitor to London, and she came over from India and uh, got talking to her and so on, uh, what we were doing. She wanted to know who we were and got talking to her and shared with her that we were uh, Christians sharing the message of the Bible, uh, salvation in Jesus and so on. She was a Hindu, and uh, we talked for quite a while and so on. And I happened to say to her, well, tell me, how would, how would you, how would you have your sins? You're a sinner. Oh, yes, she said, yeah. How would you have your sins dealt with? How, how do you do it? I said, oh, but we have the privilege of washing in the river Ganges. Oh, I said, well, that's amazing. And all your sins are all taken away. And she looked at me and uh, she paused for a wee while and then she said, uh, oh, no, she said, I must then do good works, she said. I must continue to do good works. I've washed in the river Ganges, but I must continue to do good works. And I said, then do you come to a stage where you know every sin you have ever committed is forgiven. Your, your heart's cleansed. Oh, no, she said, I still must continue to do good works. That, that's my life. And I said to her, regarding the Christian." Regarding those who know and love the Lord, they have come to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and his blood has washed the heart perfectly clean. And I refer to 1 John 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Is that in your Bible? She said, it is. And I took her to the Bible and I showed her. I believe the Lord touched her heart that night. Um, she wanted to have a booklet. We gave her a booklet to read. And uh, before she left, I urged her to get right with God and to come to know the cleansing power of the precious blood. What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Then, if you look on just very briefly, look at his listening ears. It says in verse 8, Also, I heard, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Isaiah was now in a right relationship and attitude before a holy God to be able to hear his word. All that clogged up his heart was effectively dealt with by the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Over the years, I've had problems with my hearing. Maybe there's a few people in the congregation who have similar problems to me because quite often there's a buildup of wax in my ears. <laughs> and I've had to go to the doctor or the nurse and so on time and time again to have my ears syringed. I remember one time away up north, and it, it happened and so on. I got my ears syringed. I came out of the surgery that morning. Sun was shining, beautiful morning, and away up about half a mile on top of a tree, there was a little bird singing, singing its heart out. And dear friends, you would have thought, I would have thought it was just sitting on my shoulder. 
<laughs> I, I was able to hear so wonderfully well. Spiritually, there are things that wax up our listening ears, and we don't hear God. For instance, the wax of pride, the wax of greed, the wax of envy, the wax of unbelief, the wax of worldliness, the wax of a bitter spirit. These and other things, they clog up the heart. And we don't hear the Lord as we should as God's people. We don't hear that still, small voice as we should. And ever so often we need a good old spiritual syringe. We need to come afresh to the Lord, fall before him, and confess our wrongdoing and to get right with God. And dear friends, in a sense, this is a daily practice. The Lord Jesus told that pattern prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but lead us from the evil one. Thine be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. It's a daily occurrence for the Christian coming afresh to the cross. Forgive me my sins, Lord. Cleanse my heart afresh. Make me clean. Help me to walk in your ways, in the pathway of righteousness, the pathway of holiness. Help me to please you. Help me to worship you as I should. Lastly, in closing, notice here his willing feet. His willing feet. Verses 8 and 9. Here am I. Send me, he said. Go and tell this people. Here am I. Send him. No, no. Here am I. Send her. No, no. The prophet Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Me, Lord. Isaiah lived in the midst of a people of unclean lips. They needed to hear a message of redeeming love through our Lord Jesus Christ. They needed to hear of a God who was merciful and a God who was loving and a God who was forgiving. They needed to hear this message and Isaiah said, I'll go. Lord, it's me. I'll go. And he was to go, if you look at the last part of the chapter, he was to go to a hard difficult and unresponsive people. But God would save a remnant. A tenth would be spared. There would be that that seed, the seed of the Lord. A tenth would be spared. A people will hear and a people will repent. Oh, but it's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. And it's hard and it's difficult and it never has been easy in the work of evangelism. In the work of seeking to share the gospel, never has been easy. But the Lord looks for a people. He looks for a willing people who who will say, Lord, here am I. I might not have all the gifts and all the ability that you, you, 
you would think I would need, Lord, but, but hear, hear my, send me. Willing to serve the master. Willing to spread the gospel. Willing to encounter the foe. Willing to face hardship and loneliness for Jesus. The prophet said, here am I. Must I go and empty handed? Must I meet my Savior's soul? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty handed go? Here my Lord, send me the making and the marks of a man or a woman of God, seeing God, seeing the Lord, opened eyes, broken spirit, cleansed lips, listening ears, and willing feet. May we, as God's people this morning, say from our hearts, Lord, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us this morning, Lord, for all that we have heard, for the hymns we have sung. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. Pray, Lord, we might ever be a people for God, to know you, to love you, and to serve you. And, Lord, to press on day by day. Though the going might be hard and difficult, we might trust you, Lord, and receive grace for all eventualities, day by day and moment by moment. Accept our thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.